Welcome to Two Arabs and a Podcast, a show with no limits. Dating, business, martial arts, self-defense, and the life of two Arabs in America. Arabs in America. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your hosts, the owner of Warrior Academy, the son of an immigrant, international traveler, black rank in Krav Maga, a jiu-jitsu practitioner, and Brazil's national champion, and of course, 2018 Self-Defense Instructor of the Year, a bodyguard and military combative instructors, none other than Fraz Azar. Joined by his co-host, Omar Aswan, the owner of Warrior Tactical Training, published author, doctor of criminology, world traveler, fluent in four languages, a military combat contractor, and a first-generation immigrant. The show begins now. Welcome to another great episode of Two Arabs and a Podcast. I'm your host, Samar Aswad, and I'm joined by my co-host, Firas Adab. And today we're coming to you live from Kansas City, Missouri, and we have a very interesting topic. Firas, how was it going today? Great, man. Uh, how was everything going with you? Good, good. Ready for this podcast. Yes. For it. I'm actually very excited for this podcast. Uh, before we introduce uh, our special guest we got today, I want to do a little bit of recap about the last uh, podcast we had. I think we got to the men. <laughs> we did. Yeah, I noticed. I didn't get comments, but I got kind of like a weird vibe going on on Instagram from the guys. The, the, the guys wouldn't even like the picture for the podcast. Yeah. They wouldn't. Like, I, I looked at all the likes and it's all women. The guys <laughs> refused to even like click like on a picture. I think, I know. It's funny. You know, there's a, I used to say this, but I would pick really like these days, and, if, and I had a psychologist actually talk about it once. What he said is... You know, back in the day, we only had phones, <clears throat> or we can see the TV or news, but he's like, now with social media, you can pretty much figure out who likes you or who's not, or who's pissed off or not, but you just, by the way, they like or not, but yeah. this one, like, total, the guy said, fuck this. <laughs> exactly, pretty much so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so today, um, we have a very good friend of mine, and I'm really happy that he came in here in town. Uh, first of all, I want to, his name is Ben Jones. Um, before I jump in and talking about uh, Ben's credential, but I want to talk about Ben today was at uh, our Academy, Warriors Academy, and rocked a really awesome seminar. Actually, I'm going to use Omar as one, because Omar is a student now for three years? Yeah. Yeah. You, have you been, you, how many seminars have Ben you been, uh, attended? This is my first one, Ben. Oh, this is yeah. your first. Okay. So Ben came in. Uh, I'm Actually, my academy is affiliate of uh, the CSW, where uh, Ben uh, Jones come from. And actually, the first time Ben came in was unique because he was the first UFC fight in Kansas City. That's the first time ever we had the UFC. Right. And you were coaching uh, mm -hmm. one of your fighters, right? Uh, yeah, I was cornering Bobby Green that weekend. Bobby Green, yeah. So, yeah, that, that was kind of so Ben came in, rolled in, and just did a catch wrestling summer and blow up everybody's mind. So before I start getting into deeper into that, uh, I'm going to speak about, talk, introduce uh, Ben and his credentials uh, to the crowd we got. So uh, Ben Jones has been, and actually been training for 15 plus years with coach Eric Paulson. Um, uh, uh, coach Eric Paulson is actually the founder of the CSW uh, system. Founder, creator, yes, everything. Yes. And for those that don't know who is Sensei Paulson, I would recommend you Google that because if we're going to sit talk, it's just like it'll take a whole podcast by itself. I mean, I think we, the man is the encyclopedia of what martial arts is. Think about, think about martial arts like you think about football. Vince Lombardi to football. Yeah. Is Eric Paulson to American MMA. 
There we go. Right. Yeah, when absolutely. you do research, you'll make that you'll make that comparison. Yeah. I would say it's a very fair comparison. Absolutely. Um, so uh, going down with uh, you know Ben's credential, uh, Ben Ben uh, is a veteran uh, Bellator fighter. He is also an IFC pro uh, light IFS. and mi- uh, IF, IFS sorry uh, pro light and midweight uh, champion, both in Muay Thai and MMA. He's a black belt, second degree black belt in Jiu Jitsu from uh, Coach Eric Paulson and Master Higan Mashal. He is the CSW head uh, coach fight team. Head coach, yeah. Head coach for the fight team. Um, of course, he's an expert in CSW and STX, uh, catch wrestling specialist, former professional football player, and two-time All-American college football. So with all that, um, one thing I want to say about, uh, I want to go in before I give it to Ben. I want to, as me as an experience, you know, for, I've been teaching for a good 16 years, and I will flat out say, I'm one of those, like, really picky who I bring someone else that, you know, you've been a student of mine yeah. for how long now? Three, almost? Yeah, one to four years. Yeah. And I'm picky about who I bring in, and CSW is one of the families, actually, I'm very happy to be a part of. But... Hands down, uh, when Ben comes into town and does a seminar, everybody, even me, I will come in, I'll remember that seminar. Like, honestly, to his credit, this is your first, right? Yeah. What did you think about? Uh, I felt lost, honestly. Yeah. It's all new stuff, and it's just like, oh, shit, like, I felt like I'm starting again. Yeah. Uh, But it's very useful stuff and and very short. Like, I couldn't even go to the gym to lift. I'm like, okay, I guess we're skipping that and go straight to alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, definitely good. Yeah. Yeah. The, The other thing is, like, everybody tell me, like, even when it's new to them, you remember it. You know, yeah. you remember you've been in seminars, you're like, what the f-? Like, you can't even keep anything in your head about it. So the other thing, I mean, I remember when uh, Ben came and did that uh, seminar three years ago. I remember it from the beginning to yeah. end, which usually doesn't happen in grappling. I'll tell you right, right now. I've had so many jujitsu people walk in and I'll like stare at their map. I was like, what the fuck did they just regurgitate in my head? Right. Like, you know how they, when they show an arm bar, they show like 50 variations, you know, like, Ben just cuts to the chase. Like today, when he was showing, like even to me, I've been, I, I, I competed in Muay Thai. I grew up on Muay Thai, traditional Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. And like literally today, I myself sat there looking, and a light bulb just went on my head. And that to me is like the best thing about your seminars. Like seriously, till this day, I always learn. And he shows up. Like to you, of course, you see, wow, that was new. Like I lost yeah. him because some of the kicks and some of the takedowns. And I was like, holy shit, why did I never pay attention to that? And I think what what was unique about this specific seminar was very personal. First of all, but second of all, a lot of seminars I've attended is do what I say, don't ask questions. I'm not going to explain why we're doing this way. Right. Uh, but you are very personal in terms of we're doing it because it works this way. This is why it works. Right. It might look silly, but it's working. It's more convincing to a person and more retainable for me because I understand why we're doing it. And it's working in a certain way and when to use it. It's, it's more personal, I feel like. Right. So sort of the way I teach is very, very much how I learn from Eric Paulson. Right. And when I go to teach a seminar or even when I'm coaching my fight team, to me, it's not an opportunity for me to show off. Right. The opportunity is to teach somebody, right? Is to bring maybe a different perspective or a different way on how we apply our techniques, be it wrestling, grappling, uh, submission, striking, whatever it is. Yes. It's to be able to bring a different perspective or a different way, if you will, on how on how we do it, right? So it does me no service if I come in here and try to show you how big my brain is. Right. Or try to show you how much I know. It does me a lot better if I come in and I show you, hey, 
this is how I do it. This is this is why I do it this way. Now try to do it this way. And that's why the techniques, I try to give people, I try not to stand up there and talk too much. I try to get you to do it as much as possible so that I can walk around. I'm constantly walking around during a seminar and watching each group and finding something that maybe each group, they're all doing something. And then I know perhaps I didn't explain it properly. So I go read back into it. Mm-hmm. And then I explain another step of it, right? Or maybe that I left out or that I didn't do, put too much focus on. And that way... It can almost make sense to everybody, even if you have a different way of learning. Some people are more visual. Some people want to hear it more. Some people want to read it more, right? So the way that I teach is I want everybody in the room to be able to retain what I'm saying. Now, I dump a lot of information out. I realize that. It's the way I learn. Mm -hmm. If you ever learn from Eric Paulson, you'll go in there thinking that it's an... It's an arm lock series, and you'll walk out of there realizing that you just learned 100 submissions. And I can't. Oh, yeah, I've been I've been to a couple of coaches. Some I can't fucking remember. I even trained with them, which is why I try to tell people I don't expect you to remember all this. What I do expect you to do is find something that you like and that works for you, and you can see yourself doing, and apply that. Focus on that. If you can remember two or three things from my seminar out of the. 20, 30 plus things I would teach in a, in a two, three hour, three and a half hour seminar, you're ahead of the game. And that's a good thing, right? Don't try to learn it all. The more advanced you are, obviously you're going to be able to pick up more techniques and more, more little things, right? So that's, that's just the way I teach. And and like I said, you know, I've seen a lot of guys teaching, not mentioning uh, any names, but um, I feel like a lot of times for them, it's about let me let me show you guys how cool I am, or let me show you guys all the cool shit I can do. Oh or, yeah, it's or just, yeah. Let me let me show you guys how smart I am. Yes. Whereas, or why I'm better than every better right. out, every martial artist out there in the whole world. Yeah. Whereas where I come from, from Eric Paulson, that was never his thing, right? He was always he just wants he wants you to learn so much so fast because for him the excitement comes from being able to teach. Our art of CSW, STX, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and the uh, CSW MMA program. He just wants everybody to know it. He wants everybody to be good. And that's been my true only instructor for, you know, almost 18 years now, 15 plus, almost 18 years now that I've been under him directly in his gym every single day, seven days a week for that long without ever leaving or ever taking a vacation from it. That's been what I've been absorbing that whole time. So my teaching style is very similar to his. Yes. Right? That's been my... Now, I have a different way of teaching it, but it's very similar to his. It's just my own spin on it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. for me, I feel like I've had the best instructor, and I feel like I try to carry over what, what he tries to do, and that's passing on our style to students and trying to make everybody a believer in our system. Yeah. Makes sense. And do you think that a lot of times a person might be very knowledgeable about a certain skill? Mm-hmm. They can be the best fighter in the world, but they can sure. be a bad teacher. Oh yeah, and absolutely. We've seen that. I think it goes with everything. You know, like you ha- you have guys that are you can take any sport, right? Like, God, I try to think. I try to think of an example, but maybe Magic Johnson wasn't he the head coach of the Lakers for a while? Probably wasn't that successful of a head coach. An unbelievable player, right? But for some reason, that translating from being a player to a coach is just. 
it it does it doesn't go well. I was I was a fairly successful fighter. I wouldn't say I had the greatest career in the world, right? I came into the sport when it was still very very new. Yeah, and uh, I had a professional football career before for four years uh, in the CFL and the Arena League, and then I got into fighting very late. Because I was an athlete, I feel like I picked it up pretty quick. And also because I had an unbelievable coach and, and instructor. And at that time, there wasn't a lot of guys doing it. So I got a lot of a lot of private attention. So it escalated me very quickly, uh, I feel. Um, but I had a passion for teaching and coaching my whole life. Uh, when I got done playing professional football, I immediately went in. And, and even at, towards the end of my professional career of uh, uh, football, playing football, I was coaching high school football. So I had an experience with coaching and a passion for teaching. And, you know, for then it was teaching kids, sort of paying back what I've learned, right? So for me, it was it was a very easy transition from when I went, when I was fighting, to when I went to becoming a coach of being uh, yeah. fighters. Um, it made sense to me. Plus, like I said earlier, I've had a, I had a great example of that, you know. But I would say more times than not, great fighters generally don't make great coaches. Absolutely. One of them, because of selfishness. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that in order to be a really, really good fighter, you have to be very selfish. You have to be selfish in your personal life. You have to be selfish with your training, right? And it makes sense. It's an individual sport in a sense. You have to be very, very selfish. Like... I need to eat now. I need to go run now. I need to train now. I need to do this now. Now they organize their schedules around the team, but it's a selfish sport. So sometimes that doesn't translate very well to coaching because now you have to want to give more to your fighters than you wanted to give to yourself. So when speaking about, um, actually, I want to touch on that, actually. Um, so the, um, our fans here know um, Ben Jones now is, uh, he is like actually considered one coming. Uh, in my opinion, he's a top coach. Uh, but I think now for when his fighters stepping into UFC, uh, Curtis, because like what now the, they're calling him the second, actually, John Jones. He's uh, after two fights in the UFC. He's now ranked uh, number fifteen in the world. We have a fight wow. coming up at yeah. UFC two thirty two on the mm-hmm. John Joe's Gustafson card. He'll yeah. be on the undercard. Uh, we're fighting a very tough opponent, but uh, yeah, he's special, man. And I got a couple other guys coming up. Um, yeah, I've seen a couple of those guys when I was down in January. I was telling the guys when I went down there. I had the privilege to go because I went down there actually seeking. Um, I spent a private time with uh, Coach Paulson because I was uh, doing my ground combat, the one I was doing for Kelly McCann, and I yeah. said. Um, I even told him I'm building a curriculum, but who is better not to have his second opinion than Coach Paulson? In my opinion, I don't care what people say. In my opinion, I consider Coach Paulson is the god when it comes, you know, when grappling. He's a Mount Rushmore. (laughs) He's He's a Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no ass kiss or nothing. It is true. It is true. I mean, I sat with him and who on earth, let me, uh, and I want to share this with my experience with the people. You would never find a guy, like think about how, when when everybody here or talk about how humble Ben is, I was like, yes, but look the coaching he had. Coach Paulson with his name, literally, if anybody walked in, I was, here's me, Coach Paulson has his eyeglasses on, mm-hmm. laying on his stomach, holding my curriculum in his hand, reading it for me and correcting things for me. Yeah. He's not making a dime out of this. Nope. I mean, think about this. I am building a curriculum. And I told him, but coach, I was like, when this kicks off, I am putting your name as credit to this. And he's like, he told me, he's like, why? He's like, I'm just, I was like, no, I'm you. But 
You're not going to get any martial artists with Coach Paulson's credential. Well, sit, I stayed there a week. They sat with me literally. You've seen this. We yeah. were hanging out and I would go train a bit. Didn't even ask for it. And that's, you know, goes back to what the CSW family is about. And that's what I really appreciate a lot of being part of this family. And, you know, when I see how Ben teaches and now seeing the up and coming rising stars, man, there's a couple of monsters coming up. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we like to homegrown. I mean, don't get me wrong. If, if, if a very good uh, guy or, or new fighters wanted to come in our gym that didn't come up from us, I'd take them. If they were the right personality and they were the right fit for the gym, I would absolutely take them. But... Creating your own guys from scratch are there's no better feeling than that. Yes, you know what I mean. I have a guy. Uh, his name's Jacob Rosales. He's been training with me and Eric since he was ten years old. He's twenty three years old now. Um, my nickname is the Badger when I fought. Um, mean like a badger, which is why they named me that way. But all the guys in the gym when he was like 13, 14 years old named him the Little Badger. So. Him and I have been very, very close, and he is a very much a homegrown guy. Yep. He's like my little brother, right? But he has fought more times under the CSW banner than anybody else, including myself, including Josh wow. uh, Barnett, including anybody that's ever fought under Eric Paulson. Uh, Jake has actually fought the most. The feeling that you get from raising a fighter from childhood mm -hmm. to now being a young man and very early in his manhood to being very successful, who I who I believe he's probably two 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 very very good fights away from getting a contract. I believe he's fighting next on uh, November sixteenth on LFA, which is widely known as the feeder show for uh, uh, the UFC. That'll be televised on Access TV on November sixteenth. He'll be on the main card. Um, there's no better feeling than that. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely, I wouldn't say new to the MMA coaching world, but you have legends out there like Eric Paulson, like Greg Nelson, two men who I highly respect, who I've had, a, 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 even Greg Nelson, I've had the opportunity to train with him and under him uh, because him and Eric are so close. But you got guys out there also like Greg Jackson, Duke Rufus, the guys over at American Top Team, Mike Brown. Um, and you got, a, you got a host of guys out there who are really, really Pat Militich, who are really, really people that I hold in uh, a very high high accord. Pat is also part of the CSW family. No, 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 no. No, really? Pat has his own system, the military fighting system. Okay. Um, but he does come down there a couple of times, I noticed. He, with the he hasn't been to our gym, but him and Eric are very familiar with each other. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I can so, that. What I, my goal to do, and it's a very uh, lofty goal, mm -hmm. I, one day, when, I'm, when it's all said and done, my goal is to be just mentioned with all these guys for the accolades and the respect that they have. My, you know, a lot of people when they have goals, when they, for whatever they got into, when I went into fighting, my goal was obviously to win championships and, 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 and get some belts and fight in the UFC. I never got the opportunity to fight in the UFC. I was like a little Johnny come lately for what I felt when it was, when I was ready, I was a little bit too old. Um, by that time I'm 42 now. Um, but my goal when I was fighting was to be respected by other fighters, by guys that I thought were really, really good, guys that I, I, I really respected. I wanted to be respected by them, right? I could give a shit about what people that never trained and never fought really thought about me, but I knew that I had made it 
to where I wanted to be if these legendary fighters that I trained with, if they respected me. And I feel like I earned that. You know, I mean, who, who knows? But I feel like I earned that. And now my goal is, obviously, I have a very unselfish goal of wanting all my guys to be the greatest in the world. Yes. And if I can accomplish that doing uh, by training, by the let, by the stuff that's been passed on to me, if I can do that, then maybe I might be in the same breath with these other legends that I really look up to. And then I'll really feel like uh, I've achieved something of uh, my goals, my personal goals, at least. Makes sense. So shifting gear and talking back about, you know, coaching, going back to it. How do you feel? Did about I get that? off subject? No, no. <laughs> but I think the alcohol is kicking in too hard. Not yet. No, ladies and gentlemen, that's one thing about a podcast. There's always booze. I don't know why Omar has his own bar going. They don't work right without it. (laughs) Be sponsored by some alcohol. This is our goal, by the way. Hey, uh, tequila. And Omar is a vodka guy. I'm a tequila guy. One of you need to pick us up soon because yeah. we're kind of really big supporters here. You would like a sponsorship for the show. <laughs> it doesn't mean the word two Arabs, we don't touch alcohol. We are, in a nice way, saying functional alcoholics. <laughs> but, but how do you feel about coaches who have never fought in their life, who didn't grow up in a traditional system, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they've done martial arts, they didn't compete, they didn't you know do anything major, mm-hmm. and they go out, they open their own school, and now all of a sudden they're belting people and giving ranks and up and down. How do you feel about that? Well, these are people who talk about they get certified over the week. They get certified like, over the week. Mm-hmm. These guys go to Israel or go to California or go to New York and yeah, they get a weekend crop, certification. Especially the crowd people. Especially the crowd, and they get a weekend certification that says, I'm a crowd instructor. And now they're going around giving belts to people. They're getting ranks to people. And they're starting their own school system. But they haven't fought. They haven't really had the experience. And they haven't really came in a traditional system where they say, what I'm teaching you is backed up by such and so. Sure, sure. I, You know, that's a... It's a it's a, it's a tricky question because mm-hmm. there's there's multiple sides to this. If you're talking about fighting, right? I believe you have to have fought in order to teach fighting, right? Martial arts, I don't necessarily believe that. I believe if you put in a body of work studying a martial arts, not a weekend seminar, but I believe if you put in a body of work, like for my black belt, I earned my black belt. I spent thousands of hours on the mat with high level guys and rolled with high level guys and was held to a very, very high standard before I got my black belt. That's why to me, it meant something very, very special, right? Now, if you're talking about fighting, if you're talking about fighting MMA or Muay Thai or boxing, whatever martial art you choose that you're talking about, if you haven't fought, it makes it makes it very hard for you to give an honest opinion about what they should be doing during a fight, right? For example, I can tell my fighters, listen, when this happens, when this happens to you, this is how it's going to feel and this is how you need to react to it, right? Or this is how you should react to it. They believe me because I've been in that situation, I've been in that desperate situation where I've been hurt or I've been in a choke and I felt like, oh shit, it's time to tap. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, no motherfucker, hold on just a little bit more. Try one more chance to grab this thing. And then that little breath of air comes in and it revitalizes me and I can and I can go from it, right? Or when I'm talking to my guys during a fight in between rounds, I'm speaking to them from experience. So 
I think that when a fight, when a when a coach is talking to a fighter or coaching a fighter, even at practice, there's there's one thing that fighters really respond to, and it's believability, right? If they believe that I know what the fuck I'm talking about because I've been through the wars, right? For an example of this, at my practices, I spar, roll, wrestle, and train and do every single thing, including conditioning, with my guys, right? Because it's believability. If they know that I'm doing it with them and they see me doing the stuff that I'm teaching to them, it makes sense to them. They know this shit works, right? Cutting weight. I cut weight with my guys, right? When they wear plastics in the sauna, I wear fucking plastics in the sauna, Right. When they're running on the treadmill, wearing the plastics and the sweats and the beanies and sweating their ass off when they're cutting weight the night before weigh-ins, I'm doing the same thing with them. You go to my Instagram and you you can see me doing it with them. Yeah. Why? Because it's believability. Right. Those guys know I've been to war. So they know to trust me in that fight. When I'm barking out instructions in the corner and they're hearing me say stuff, there's a level of believability with that. Right. And I'm not the only one that do, uh, does it for a, a perfect example of this is Duke Rufus. Duke Rufus was a legendary kickboxer. Right. And I believe that's why his guys believe in him so much, because he put that time in. They can go back and watch him compete and know that this dude knows what the fuck he's talking about. Right. And that's that Eric Paulson. Right. Yeah. When I was fighting. The internet was a relatively new thing. This yes. YouTube thing was a relatively new thing. But Coach would show me his old DVDs. And every fight he showed me, I'd be like, holy shit, that's what he taught me. Right? That's He He actually teaches us that in practice. And it made this – it, like, put an aura around him that I just believe whatever the fuck he told me. Right? Yeah. And I trusted it. Because he's done the walk. Because he did the walk. He made the walk. Right. And that's, that's a great, it's a great, great phrase. He made the walk. So I believed it. So I knew that it worked when you haven't fought and you try to tell your guys that it's theory, right? You're, you're going based on what somebody else has done. So I believe the believability really isn't there. So if you're coaching fighters, I believe you have to have fought. That's my own personal opinion. I could be wrong. There might be a guy out there who's never fought before who might be an unbelievable coach, right? I think I'll uh, answer some stuff for Omar when it comes to – I'm a self-defense sucker. I've been doing it for 16 years, but I also fought when I did Muay Thai, but I grapple and all that, and which is crowd the weakness when I go in and beat the shit out of them when it comes to ground. They have no experience. They're like telling people to skip some stuff. I'm like, right. you're going to go. You're going to die. You're yeah, just going to yeah. die. And literally, I I remember I'll, – I'll, I'll tell you this actually, and I'll, I'll put the organization's name here. I don't give a shit. But it was in Premier Martial Arts a couple of years ago. They were doing this uh, – a certificate for something. They got one of their big black belt dads and Krav Maga there. So we did a ground thing. So I cooked this dude and he knows himself. So I took him down, blah, 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 got his back. The dude was hammer fisting my groin like 50 times. I was like holding my ring yeah, in the show. Yeah, closed, not open, right? <laughs> that could be enjoyable if it was open. <laughs> so literally, I mean, it was uncomfortable. But it wasn't a, the, the end all be all. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. I put him to sleep. Yeah. Put him up. And I was like, you know, it just hurt. It sucked. But guess what? Your groin shots didn't work. Have you ever seen Boss Rune's thing on that? On the grabbing the groin when he had somebody when he had somebody's back. 
So he's teaching a seminar. Yeah. He, or he's teaching something. It's, it's a hilarious story. If you ever look it up on YouTube, it's oh, shit. awesome. Shit. <laughs> and, he, and he has this person. That, I think he has a girl, a girl in a chokehold or a guy in a chokehold. And he has the, he has the lock yeah. on and, and they, and he's like, Oh, you're going to grab the groin, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, yeah, he goes, okay. If you touch my groin, I'm going to break your fucking neck. Go yeah. ahead. And they, and they were like, wait, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> he whispered it in their yeah. ear and they, and they didn't do it. Yeah. That's, and, that's and, what the fuck is going to happen. You I, grab my I, balls I, all you want. Yeah. I'm going to smack I was, your I was uh, doing off. a seminar with uh, <laughs> Kelly McCat, actually, yeah. and he was in that organization. Yeah. And he even used my story as an example because yeah, they were all yeah, the crap yeah. guys. And he was like, hey, touching somebody's groin while somebody got your fucking neck, you got only three, four seconds, you're out. Mm. And you're done. And so I put that. So going back to what I am saying. And here's the problem is, what I, and, I, and it bothers me, actually, you know, like I had the privilege, uh, had great mentors. I, I consider Ben as one of them. I've been around like he's right. You know, that feeling of been around like people that been like Nick Hughes, you know, he was a Golden Globe boxer, but he also was a French Foreign Legion. He was a legit bodyguard. He's <laughs> been in the system to protect people. Yeah. Not just fighting. I did bodyguarding. I worked in the prison. You worked in the prison. You've been in military combat. So, so, so you understand that. But see, so go into your question. And here's the problem that's going on in the United States. I think it's really a bad problem actually going on. Is you get these people we talk about that had no legit life experience in this stuff. And you go on a weekend seminar. Sure. And here I am teaching you this. Don't get me wrong. They could be amazing instructors out there. I just have a problem with this weekend seminar. No, I think, I think it's a growing problem, and I'm a gun guy. I'm not a fighter. Sure. I teach guns, and I don't claim to be a fighter. Never will be a fighter. I'm a 100% a gun guy, and I see that with both disciplines. I see guys who show up to a weekend class, sure. attend my class, and they leave my class with my certification, and they start their own academy down the street yeah. claiming to teach every tactical shooting in the world. I'm like, I didn't teach you that. I didn't even teach anything. I taught you an introduction to something. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a problem. Or even like a couple of weeks ago when we went to a certain place and you did grounds and the guys who are fighters, they said, oh, no, no, we don't do grounds. We choose not to go to the ground. And I looked at us like, what do you mean you choose to go to the ground? I, was, I worked in bars yeah. and yeah. I don't choose to go to a ground. I just end up on the ground. Yeah. It's not a choice. You are going like, down. Yeah, I'm like, I, I've, I'm not a fighter, but I've seen bars fights. I've worked in prison and I don't choose to go to a ground. It's not a choice. What do you mean you choose? And half of the room got up and left. As yeah. soon as you start talking about ground. And I was like, what? They're like, no, no, we don't teach. Well, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was actually, no, it was at that uh, Hall of Fame ceremony yeah. when I, and I walked in and I was doing the, the grappling. Uh, so literally, there was a hundred people there doing all this stuff. As soon as I stepped in to dismantle this stuff, they all left. And I only had like maybe eight or 10 people attend my, which is no problem to me. Because their credibility will get put. And absolutely. Oh, they, they don't know how to answer it. They had some guru guy running around with all these colors and that. But one of the guys from Century Martial Arts was there. And he looked at me and like, you really do good stuff. And he flat out said, he shook my hand. He was like, I, he's like, you? He was like, yeah. I was like, but the, here's the problem is they lack the experience in that. And like he said, and I was like, we don't go to the garden. I'll make sure I don't go. I was like, oh, really? Well, I think it exposes the true, the true thought process behind a true martial artist. Absolutely. Right? Now, martial arts. I'm karate. I'm taekwondo. I'm uh, JKD, I'm judo, I'm jujitsu, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Muay Thai, whatever it is. Catch us, whatever it is. But a true martial artist is open minded about yep. using any technique that is effective on an opponent or for self defense. Yes. I can only use Eric Paulson as my example. 
because I've just watched him so much. This is a guy who has something like 10 or 17 different black belts and different arts, mm-hmm. right? And all kinds of people come in. Anytime anybody comes in and they're an expert in something or very, very knowledgeable about something, Eric will make them teach at his own gym. And let me tell you, the the, the person who's the closest watching, virtually almost touching him when he's watching, is Eric. He wants to absorb as much knowledge as he can from anybody and will immediately apply that to his to his own theories. If it works, if it doesn't work, he dismisses it. He won't embarrass the person if he, if he doesn't think it's a high value mm-hmm. thing, but he's there studying it. And that's what I think a true martial artist is. They're willing to take the highest percentage things out of each martial art and apply them to their own self-defense or their own system. Mm-hmm. Right. It's what Bruce Lee taught. It's what Guru Danasano taught. Yeah. It's what go. Eric Paulson taught. Now I've just lined up a lineage for you. Yeah. Right. Eric Paulson is Dan Asano. What I think is Dan Asano's top student. Yeah. Dan Asano was Bruce Lee's top student. Yeah. Right. So you have a lineage of people that are willing to learn from anybody about any martial art. And if it's effective, they apply it, not close themselves off to something that they don't understand, but instead learning it. Wow. This is really awesome. That's something perhaps I didn't think of or an angle I didn't think of or a style I didn't think of that was effective. I'm going to immerse myself in that. Dan Asano got his black belt at, shit, I don't even know how old he was when he got it. That man is still 80-some years old, I believe. Don't don't hold me to that. I think I want to say he's 80 years old. That man is on the mats today teaching. Yeah. Right? Seminars. On the mats with his students. Still teaching on a daily uh, basis at the Asano Academy. That's unbelievable. He's one guy on my bucket list. I Why? Say, by the he's way. a true yeah. martial artist. He is his one guy. But I think it's an ego issue. And I mean, because... It is an ego issue. Well, they're insecure. Like what he just talked about. Because the... the okay, let me... Sorry. That <laughs> unlegit martial artist, uh, in my opinion, is an insecure, egotistical asshole. Well, thinking that... Admitting that you that you don't know something, right? Or that something perhaps you're teaching might not be valid is can be a very ego blasting thing right it doesn't mean everything you're teaching doesn't work but they haven't a lot of martial arts instructors have an issue with that because they think it's uh, shitting on their credibility when it's not right it's really not maybe there's just a different way to teach it or if that doesn't work fucking get rid of it it doesn't work. But but I mean, it's it's an ego issue because if you've been doing something for so long sure. and you're quote-unquote expert in it right. and you're learning something new and you're showing up to a new system mm-hmm. and you're a beginner, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a gun guy and I showed up to Philosophy's Math with no experience whatsoever in fighting. Right. And it's for me to go from a high-level gun instructor teaching police and SWAT teams and all kind of levels sure. to show up to a mat and be like, okay, I have no clue what I'm talking about. It's embarrassing because I have very highly respected to have nobody here. Right. And it takes a lot of self-esteem to show up there. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're basically saying, you know what? I can just stick to what I know. It's more comfortable. Right. Why should I risk it and go to... Well, what if you don't have a gun? Well, exactly. That's why I'm there. Will your ego protect you there? No, it wouldn't. It won't. Right? Just like, I don't know shit about guns. Right? So, but, I, but I'm not closed off to learning about them. I, I really don't know much about knife defense or stick defense. Right? I'm not closed off to it. Yeah. I can't just tell somebody, well, what would you do if somebody pulled a knife on you? 
well, I'd fucking shoot a double leg and da da da. Yeah. No, you're going to get stabbed in the fucking back of the Thank neck, you. right? Thank I, you. I, yeah. It's not going to happen. But I'm open to learning it, right? So I think part of it about being a martial artist, you got to be humble. You gotta and be, be a very, student. You got to be very humble. I'm always a student. That's what I'm saying. Listen, the highest rank I get in whatever martial art, the highest level I get uh, as a coach or a fighter, whatever. It doesn't change the fact that I'm constantly learning and constantly learning something new, whether it's gun stuff. I would love to learn gun stuff, not because I want to teach it, because I want to know, right? I have I have this passion for a, a absorbing knowledge about self-defense, right? I haven't had the opportunity to do a lot of that. I have had, I had the opportunity to, to do a lot of uh, stick work and knife work. I have passed it up because I've been so immersed with fighting, the actual thing of fighting. To be honest with you, I don't run into a lot of people that are holding sticks or knives, right? I just don't put myself in those situations. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean I don't want to learn it. Yeah. It just means that I've been so focused on, it, on a career. Your hotel is in Westport, right? Sorry? Your hotel is in Westport. Right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Just walk down the street. <laughs> I was walking down there this yeah. morning. <laughs> You're going to practice got a knife this afternoon. I promise you that. I'm just going to put some rocks I'll in my I'll tell body. you that. That's so much experience. I'm Every like, time we go there. put me at that hotel. I, I'm, yeah, that's why he commented on our Instagram. He was like, oh, nice. Let's see you guys getting shot. I was like, shut well, up. I don't think we've ever been to Westport, by the way, for the record, without ending up with somebody threatening to shoot us, pull a knife, or saying, I'm going to fight you. For I'm the sure. record, yeah, lady, hold on a second. For the record, ladies and gentlemen, it's always Omar, not me. <laughs> they always tell me. Exactly. There's something about your face that yeah. ignites it. I don't know. <laughs> For the record, if the three of us are out, I used to run a 4-5-40, and I'm going to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm telling you right now. As well as I might be able to fight, I can run, too. <laughs> I, would, I was like, and I showed you the spot. I almost got killed there. You did. You showed me yeah, that Yeah, and I showed you. So... <laughs> January? Yeah. Literally, January. We go in, we're just going in, we went in having a good time, uh, drinking, bunch of girls and all that stuff. We walk out, I just turn my back and I look, here's a couple of guys telling Omar they're going to shoot him in his face and Omar is pulling a knife. I'm like, what in the fuck just happened? <laughs> I just turn so you're my... alone with a knife. Yeah, he's a... <laughs> they said they'll shoot me, so yeah. I'm So he goes, pulls a fucking knife. I'm like, oh, fuck. Here we go. <laughs> So, yeah, and that's just like one thing. I'm a little nervous about barbecuing right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's in a better size. All right, we're yeah, good. As we're long as you don't follow him and go to his famous club throwback, you'll be fine. I'm good. No, just, I don't know why it's, a, I guess it's bad luck. We were leaving the club and the guy looks at me. <laughs> it's your face. I'm bust the cock in your face. And I was like, what? And he started reaching. You gotta make him laugh, man. You gotta have like a couple <laughs> yeah. good one-liners and no, a couple he start, jokes. He started reaching for a gun. And I was like, okay, I don't have a gun on me because I'm drinking. Sure. But I have a knife. So this is gonna end up in your neck. And Foster and was like, okay, now there's a scene going on. And I'm like, yeah. I didn't start it. I swear to God, it wasn't me. Like, I didn't. I know I was a witness. You yeah. didn't. I saw that. But I'm like, holy fuck! Can we not anytime go out? Somebody wants to shoot you. <laughs> I went to a car wash and ended up with it today. <laughs> it's car wash. It's something about you, man. The guy came running <laughs> to his car. I'm like, I'm washing my car, dude. I love you, Omar, but I think you got that face. I, somebody I wants do. to punch. <laughs> it's a big head. That's why. <laughs> I got a big one too. <laughs> but, so, so, another question: How do you meet Eric? Because you are playing football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you were, you, did you have any experience in fighting before? Like, I did. I did. My dad my dad was in the Royal Navy and was like in the Special Force in the Royal Navy. So, my dad had taught me uh, quite a bit of hand-to-hand combat. I was 
I had a chip on my shoulder when I was a kid. I was small. I'm much bigger now, but I was a small kid growing up. Um, and I got a shit ton of fights, a lot of fights on the, on the street and school. I got suspended more times than I could probably count. Um, I just had a chip on my shoulder. So I did have a lot of experience fighting. I was always fascinated with fighting. Um, I was, you know, I grew up in the eighties, you know, born in the seventies, grew up in the eighties. So eighties action movie stars were like my dudes. Like, you know, I remember watching John Claude Van Damme movies and going outside and trying to do jump spin hook kicks, you know, and I, and I lying to people like, yeah, I know how to do, I know martial arts. I could, and I would do this damn kick. Why I could do it. Cause I was a good athlete. I had no fucking clue what I was doing. Right. You know, I was strong. And then when I was playing college football one summer, I took a Muay Thai class from a, from a gentleman named uh, Mike Weiss. He ended, he's ended up passing away um, later, but I took it for like three months when I was home for college. I bought some tie pads. I took them out uh, when I was going to play football in Iowa, and I would hit tie pads with the guy, just make him hold them, make my friends hold the tie pads for me. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, really. They didn't know what they were doing, but I just kicked these things as hard as I can. I'd shadow box for what I thought was shadow boxing. That was the extent of my true martial arts uh, training. And then I played arena football for three years. And then I went to the CFL for a very brief cup of coffee with the Toronto Argonauts. Not even long enough to brag about. I got released. When I got released, I went back to Southern California to train for another year. I trained my ass off for football for another year. Uh, worked out, ran. Ended up going to a bunch of workouts. Got signed by a team but never actually brought in the training camp. Finally got released. After I got released, I had a very bitter taste in my mouth with football. And I mm. and I was, shit, I was 24, I think at that point, 24, 25 or something like that, 24. And uh, I was done. I spent a lifetime chasing this dream of playing football, and I was just done. I was done not being in control of my own destiny. But... I was a really, really good athlete, right? And and I should, to be honest with you, I should have been playing, but mm-hmm. shit just happens. You know, yeah. sometimes you're just not the guy that gets signed, man. There's a lot of guys out there that are really good that just don't make teams. I felt, and uh, I felt like I was a super athlete. And everywhere I went, you know, I, I excelled at sports and I was like, and I had this fighting thing in the back of my head and I had a buddy who was an all-American wrestler, right? And he goes, he goes, hey, we should try this cage fighting thing. Back then it wasn't even called MMA. It was called cage fighting or yep. NH- NHB, no holds barred. And he's like, we should do this. And uh, I had a buddy who was fighting, a guy named Jared J. Rock Rollins, who ended up being on the Ultimate Fighter on uh, Ultimate Fighter 4 or something like that. He was on Matt Hughes' team. And I... We played high school football together and, and wrestling, and he always told me, he goes, he goes, hey, man, you should fight, man. You should, you, you're always fighting in the streets. You're always beating everybody up. You should fight. And I, and, I, and I used to ignore him. I was like, nah, man, I'm playing ball and stuff. And we lost contact. So anyways, I, when I was done, I was living with my buddy who was this a wrestler, and he goes, he goes, hey, let's go try this thing. I, I found this gym I walked into, and there's some guy named Eric Paulson. He's supposed to be like some kind of, some kind of legend in Japan or something, right? This is, shit, this is a... Maybe two two thousand or something like that. You know, two thousand two thousand one or something like that. Some, some somewhere around there. My timeline is so screwed up from all the punches. And <laughs> <laughs> it all runs together. But I was like, I was like, all right, like 
remember back then there was no like you know internet right I mean there was but there wasn't something like you could go to like check check people's stuff yeah you know so I was like alright so I walked into his gym he had a tiny little gym next to it was a combination of like a boxing and weightlifting gym and then the next next door with a room connecting was like a taekwondo studio and it was like a I don't know maybe maybe 10 feet wide by about 30 feet long, mirrors on both sides. It was a, a, a real Taekwondo studio. But twice a week, they had this CSW, uh, you know. So CSW was around, I mean, well, Eric Coach called it since then. CSW. The whole thing was called CSW, yeah. Combat, okay. combat submission race. Combat submission, yeah. And uh, my buddy and I walked in, and Eric came in, and there was maybe three, three other people just randomly there. And he was like... All right, let's do it. We started doing all this shit, and we started throwing punches and kicks, and then we hit the ground, and there was a 18, 19-year-old kid. I was big. I was like 230, ex-football player, right? Nothing but muscle on me, right? I had nothing but muscle and explosion and zero cardio, right? I was I was built I was built for five-second plays, right, with, with about 45-second rest in between. And this fucking 18-year-old kid that was about 175 pounds, 180 pounds, Tapped me out about 30 times in about four minutes, right? Doing a bunch of shit, twisting my neck, my arms, my legs hurt, everything. And I got mad. But that mad sparked this thing in me. And the way Eric taught and the way he could move did something. And I just kept coming back. From that day, I never left, right? There was a time when students faded off and you know it was like two nights a week and I paid 50 bucks a month for the first three months right it was all cash it was hand him the money he didn't remember who owed and what did and you paid three months and then after three months I tried to pay him and he goes just keep your money he goes just keep coming right so that was the last time I paid to be at CSW 18 years ago for a membership was 50 bucks I paid for three months and he never charged me after that and to be honest with you if you asked him right now he wouldn't even remember right but I remember right so there was just something about the way he taught and his personality and the bond that him and I had even then and I might have been the only one that felt it but I just never left man I knew I was in the right place I, I had been around great athletes and great people in, yeah. in football, right? And I just knew there was something to this. And after six months of training, I had my first pro fight. And it was a wrap from there, you know? Yeah, it was destined to be, huh? Yeah, it was like the, the most perfect timing for something in my life when I needed a change, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was struggling, man. I was, you know, I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do. <laughs> So mentioning perfect timing, let's wrap this podcast. Uh, we're hitting almost uh, 45 minutes and let's continue this conversation next week on next week's podcast. So we're going to continue our interview with Ben Jones in next week's episode. So you definitely do not want to miss this out. But mentioning perfect timing, we got to eat tonight. We're hungry. It's been a long day between the seminar and, and recording this great podcast. So definitely, guys, stay tuned. And thank you, Ben, for uh, being on the show. 
And tonight we're gonna take the badger to his favorite spot. And I know we always argue in Kansas City who has the best barbecue. Fuck you all, it's Jack Stack. And the badger loves Jack I love Stack, right? Jack Stack. I haven't been a whole lot of places, but I'll, I'm, I'm good. I find somewhere I like and I'll, I'll ride it till the wheels Here we go. fall off. Again, I said it on two hours on a podcast. And now we, they're gonna hate on you more now. They're gonna yeah, go after I, you. I, but I who cares if they hate? They will go Jack after Stack. him. Jack Stack, if you're hearing this, just take care of us when we come in and we'll keep pumping you on this Here we podcast. Go. Jack Stack barbecue. That's it. But it was a pleasure to have been with us today, and thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to have you again on the podcast. Anytime, guys. Anytime I'm in town, I'm here, or even remote, I'm here. Awesome, man. Looking for it. Thank you so much, and we'll hopefully get to see you guys next week. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our sponsors. Authority, no bullshit high-quality supplement. Warrior Culture Gear custom designed and hand-printed apparel. Made by and for the modern warrior. Modern warrior. Warrior Fuel, Kansas City's best pre-made healthy meal delivery plan. Feed the warrior in you.